the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the show. This is Josh Thompson, pastor at Legacy City Church, and it is a privilege and blessing to be hosting again today. I can't believe I'm in the hot seat. Here we are, KKLA 99.5. The many of you listening in San Diego as well, welcome to the show. We're so thankful you're listening and uh, really excited to see what the Lord will do through these segments. We have a special guest today who I will introduce in a little while, um, but want to tell you a bit more about my story um, as uh, we got to talk a little bit yesterday and hear a small portion of that, but I thought it would segue into our topic today. Um, so a little bit more about my story. I, I did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad has been a worship leader as long as I can remember. My dad, he was uh, forced by my grandma to play the organ. Yeah, that one, you know, with the black keys, you know, on the bottom, and then you got the, the two hands on the top, you got the keys on the top and on the bottom. And uh, he he was doing all of that from when he was young, and it transitioned into piano, and uh, he was playing music. As long as I can remember growing up, my dad, uh, we could walk up to him when he's playing piano and say, Dad, play this song, play that song, and he'd play all the latest hits. He was a true piano man, still is. And uh, we had a blast uh, growing up. Uh, he's a wonderful Christian leader in our home. My mom died when I was six years old, and... Um, my brother Jake was four, and my brother Jesse was two, and my dad was 34 years old and left with three boys by himself. And so grandma stepped in and kind of helped us grow up, and my grandma was uh, the Oklahoma grandma. You know, uh, she had a shotgun, and uh, she was uh, ready to get us to work in the backyard, plowing the ground, digging holes, cutting trees, planting fruits and vegetables, and harvesting the ground. Um, she was that grandma. But she read through the Bible every single year. And even as I say this, if my brother Jess is listening right now, uh, he remember grandma would be saying this to us, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. And she would say this to us over and over, and what a blessing it was to have her. But we, uh, we did. We lost our mom when we were young, and uh, we had a lot of hardship growing up. Um, didn't have a lot of money. Um, we lived off food stamps, and I went through the government system and in those ways. Um, but we prospered by the grace of God. Um, I went to Ramona High School in Riverside, uh, played football there, was vice president of my school, had a lot of fun um, goofing off in high school. But I was wandering from the Lord uh, during uh, those first few years in high school, kind of doing whatever I wanted. I didn't really know um, what it meant to really walk with the Lord, though I had grown up in the church. And I grew up in a small Pentecostal church, I mean, of like 30 people. And again, the people were loving, but the concepts of God were very weird to me. You know, we had Lydia in the church, you know, who would anoint every single chair with oil. You know what I mean? She can anoint the doorway. She can anoint every single chair. She's going to anoint you and anything that gets in her way with oil. You know, it's just oil everywhere, every single week. We were taught to pray in tongues when we were little kids and, and all this stuff, and um, I was in that church. The people were fantastic. They loved us. The doctrine was weird. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. Um, but 
I, about 17 years old, I stepped into Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside with Pastor Greg Glory. I was bagging groceries across the street and came over on my lunch break and uh, heard Pastor Greg preach, and it was clear, crystal clear teaching. And uh, from that day, I never left Harvest. It became my home. Um, I served alongside Pastor Steve Wilburn there and Pastor Mike Jonker. Uh, these pastors, along with Pastor Greg, gave me many opportunities to succeed and fail in ministry. Had the opportunity then to uh, go live in Mexico with a pastor by the name of John Corson and to be trained by him. And shortly after, me and a couple of my buddies moved to Israel and we traveled the Middle East and uh, met many believers along the way. Um, my wife is the one who encouraged me to step out and plant a church here in LA. And uh, we came to this place. Um, it wasn't easy, but she said, Hey, Abraham left his home not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stepped out and God met him. So get on moving. And we did. And here we are in LA, in one of the most eclectic, diverse cities in the world to plant Legacy City Church. And we've been here seven years in September. I faced a lot of hardship in life, but the, uh, the, the most difficult was the first month into our church plant. Uh, both my brothers were leading worship that Sunday. Um, everything was awesome against the beginning of the church plant. By Tuesday, uh, well, on Sunday, we were worshiping and we were, um, Jake's playing keys. Jesse is playing guitar and singing. I'm preaching. We're all on stage together for the first time ever ministering. My dad's in the crowd. It was fantastic. It was most beautiful time ever. One month into the church plant. And then by Tuesday, my brother was gone. He would take his own life on Tuesday. My brother Jake, number two in our family. And it broke us. It brought us to our knees, took all the fun out of the church plant. And this was life and death now. But the Lord met us in the darkest place and used our pain to produce faith, perseverance, uh, and hope. And real authentic faith and hope, not fake stuff. It's not a game anymore. It was serious for me. Over the years in L.A., I've been doing um, coffee with people every single week uh, for the last seven years. I have three to five coffee meetings a week. That's a lot of coffee. I know. I like it. It's tasty. I got a double espresso shot right here on the table. Um, but I met with over a thousand people for coffee, heard their stories and backgrounds and how God is working in their life. And along the way, I had the privilege of stepping into another sphere of Christianity that was, uh, was very different from where I grew up. I went to master seminary for two years under pastor John MacArthur, uh, pursuing an MDiv, a little bit of a black sheep in there for sure. Um, I didn't fit the mold, but, um, I wanted to see what it was about. I literally went from Pentecostal upbringing to Calvary Chapel to Harvest Church and Crusades with Pastor Greg to John MacArthur and back. And I've met so many different people in the spectrum of Christianity uh, from Israel to Mexico and uh, again, back here to Southern California. Many true Christians who love God but have different methods and views, but are true believers. I know it's hard for maybe some of you to hear this uh, or believe this today, but listen, God loves that person who is a true believer who you disagree with just as much as he loves you. He loves you the same because you're his children. And this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. I want you to hear this. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. After this, John says, he wrote, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, 
all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what heaven looks like. The church should look like heaven. Our topic today is united in Christ in a divided world. And if you are just tuning in, this is Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church. I get to host the show today. And we have a special guest here today. And as long as I've known him, he is simply what I like to put a Jesus guy, kingdom-minded, embracing the body of Christ. We met through Harvest Crusades about, I think, 15 years ago. And he is the lead and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, a good friend and brother, Pastor, pastor Bill Buffington. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, man. I'm blessed to be here with you, man. Bill, you are a Jesus guy. Maybe you want to tell people what a Jesus guy is. We use this term a lot, but uh, I, I kind of stole it from you a little bit. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's this, man. It's, it's I view Jesus as supreme. That is who I love. That is who I worship. That is who saved my soul. Mm-hmm. That is who reached out to me when I was lost. That's who loved me and died for me when I was going my own way. And, uh, and now I, I, my life belongs to him. I, I, I want my life to be permeated with who he is and what he wants. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is just, to me, that's the supreme thing in my life. I, I want to glorify Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to honor him in how I live, how I treat people, how I speak, what I do with my life. So, um, yeah. And I think sometimes we come in contact with Christians. Sometimes we feel like they got to do something for us or put on something for us. It's like, man, we just want the real authentic Christian, just who you are. We like who you are as a person and what Christ has done in you. And that is enough. Um, I remember seeing that. I think we had a, we had a coffee meeting or something, Bill, I think it was like 15 years ago. And, uh, it's like that moment happened over coffee. I'm just like, God, this guy, he's a real guy. He's the real deal. He actually loves God is laying his life down for the ministry just trying to figure it out like me, and I, I really enjoyed that time. I think that's what's bonded us over these years. Love to hear your story, Bill. Um, you have a very interesting story. Um, Grown up here in L.A., huh? Yeah, grown up in uh, Inglewood my whole life, so born and raised uh, in Inglewood, born at Daniel Freeman Hospital, mm. and uh, raised there um, as, a, as a little kid, as a you know child. It it looked like my life was going to go one way. You know, I had uh, my mom and dad were married. Uh, my dad was a successful executive. Um, dad drove a Porsche. Mom had a Benz. Um, it looked like, man, you're, you're a lucky guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's where it was at, you know, kindergarten. And um, and then just, you know, uh, all these things transpired. Uh, by, by the time I was entering in second grade, uh, my parents were divorcing. Uh, my mother would turn completely over to alcohol my mom Mm. became a a a, just i mean from that point on from second grade till she came to christ um you know my mom was full-blown alcoholic that would that would encompass all of my elementary junior high high school years my father uh my father you know was he had a drug addiction but he went deeper into um that and so uh everything changed you know from that point in our lives it seemed like um our parents divorced as a marker for me of 
uh, things really changed. Uh, my sister and I, who are a year apart, we were very close mm. growing up. I grew up in Inglewood. Um, again, I didn't grow up in the worst part, but where I grew up, there was Crips and Bloods. I grew up in the Crip Blood gangbang era. So mm. um, as a young boy, that was that's what we grew up in. My neighborhood was full of boys. We ran around together. Um, so we, we got involved in, in some of those things. I didn't get heavily involved in gangs. Um, I think we went as far as, you know, running across Crenshaw to fight with the kids and mm-hmm. jumping kids at parks. And mm-hmm. uh, I never shot anybody behind gang violence, but it was fighting was fun. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We, we went about that far. Um, for me, things got really bad, probably high school. Well, I'd say element junior high. I got, I, I was also, um, I've been exposed to pornography uh, through family very early in life. I didn't realize the effect that had, but mm. uh, I was sexually active very early in my life. I got kicked out of uh, a, a, a Catholic school in, in, in Inglewood for having sex in the school in eighth grade. Wow. Um, so that was the trajectory I was on there. I went to high school and went crazy. And um, then it was sex. Then I added alcohol to the mix, um, was addicted to alcohol during high school uh, then I started doing things for money. You know, I was trying to figure out my way, um, and I started selling weed. That became my thing. And so by the end of high school, I, I had my little weed selling hustle. I was drinking every day. I was uh, deeply immersed in sexual sin, and I and I did love the hood life. You know, that was mm. that's who I identified with. That's who I hung out with. That's who I partied with, went out with. And so I just was very lost. I didn't grow up with with God at all. So I didn't have a a Christian upbringing or a background. So um, I was living that life, um, just, you know, doing what I was doing. God mercifully did this for me. I had a, got a girl pregnant when I was 18. And um, something that was ingrained in me was, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not, not going to be, I'm not going to be the kind of guy that walks away from a, a kid. Mm. And so um, I'm, I moved apartments, let the girl and the, my daughter moved in with me. And I was really giving it a try. Uh, I, it was the first time I had motive to clean up my life. I was going to try to get a regular job, and I would try it, and then it would just, it would, what they pay these guys, <laughs> I just, mm-hmm. I can't do this, All you right. know. Uh, I'd, I'd try to quit drinking, you know, for a couple days, and I couldn't, I kept trying and failing, trying and failing, and that's when uh, the Lord brought it into my apartment building right upstairs, a guy that grew up on in my neighborhood, he was one of our guys, from the neighborhood, my buddy Curtis, who had been born again radically last mm. year of high school. Mm. And him and his wife, he married the girl, his high school girlfriend right out of high school. They're, they moved in the apartment right upstairs from me. And that's who God used to convince me that not only was I separated from God, that I was going to hell, but that God loved me and wanted to save me. Mm. And he would just give me the message. I was very gracious, gracious but truthful. He would always tell me, hey, bro, I just, I love you. I love you, man. I, you know, I want you to, I'm sharing this because I love you, you mm-hmm. know. And I would leave convicted, you know. And uh, I didn't get saved even in his face. Mm. Um, but he left and I was impacted. I, 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 There was another piece that happened that he shared with me about hell one night. Uh, and I, it was convicting me, but I didn't let on with him. The next day I went to the airport and I had, I had a little hustle at LAX and a guy handed me a track. And this all came together. The track said on the front, what to do to go to hell. Wow. And when you open it up, it says nothing. Wow. And it has John 3.18, that you're condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only wow. being. And I, at that moment, I said, God's warning me. I called my buddy. I said, bro, I, I want to I get saved. Mm. Uh, he said, oh, I, he's a brand new believer. He said, I'll, I'll take you to church Sunday. Mm. So I would start looking at Channel 40. I was watching TBN, uh, watching John Hagee slap his Bible 
And uh, and I went to church that Sunday, and I don't think it mattered what the guy preached. I was going. I went to get saved. Right. I went forward. <laughs> I went and prayed with the guy yeah. behind, and I wanted to know. I said, "Man, um, you know, what, what does it look like? I don't. I don't want to play with God. Um, I, I'm a hundred percenter. So if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it all the way. And so I had the perfect guy. I mean, he gave me a little, you know, encouragement on counting the cost. And I knew a few things. I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing for money. I knew I could. I wasn't gonna be living with the girl I was living with. Things were going to need to radically change. And so I went home and I told the girl I was living with, hey, you know, this is what's happening in my heart, you know, and um, that was a big blow up. Uh, but the Lord, she moved out. Um, that was a big piece. That was police and all kind of stuff involved. Wow. Uh, I gave away. I had a bunch of weed and I had guns. I had a friend that bought all of that off of me. So I cashed out on all my <laughs> on my illegals. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I started, you know, that was my, that was the beginning of, that was October of 1995. Wow beginning of my walk with God and um man just so many merciful things God did I met mm. my wife two months in mm. who was already a Christian who I, I look back now and I think God used her to speed up my sanctification mm. process because mm -hmm. she was like I, I kind of like you but I don't know if you're really saved yet you know I had a lot of rough <laughs> edges she uh she looked at how Praise I dressed God. and uh, I remember she said uh let, let me take you shopping yeah, like, yeah. she's like let me dress you different you right. know? she bought me my first pair of dockers oh I love it and uh but she was a big piece of, you know, the Lord showing me this is what you could have, you know. And mm -hmm. so that was a piece. Um, then it was, you know, church. You know, I didn't have a church home. I had hopped around a few places. So uh, my wife and I started going to a little Baptist church in Inglewood. And that's where everything began for me. Mm -hmm. I served in the ministry, mm -hmm. was baptized, married, preached my first couple sermons in this place. And it was while I was in this church that God gave me vision. I had a First time in my life I ever had a vision, me and a brother prayed, and God showed me uh, that I was pastoring a church. It was in Inglewood. It was not like the church I was going to. Mm. You know, people weren't dressed up. You know, they were dressed more casual. And there were lots of different types of people. And um, and that was sown in my heart, you know, within the first couple years of really walking with the Lord. And um, it would come to fruition many years later, but, you know, that's that's where everything mm. started. Mm. If you're just tuning in, you're hearing Pastor Bill Buffington, uh, lead pastor of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and I'm Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church hosting today. And um, we're going to take a break in just a second here, but we want to hear more about this story, uh, Bill. So you, you've come to Christ, you're stepping into the church and uh, on the path to becoming a pastor. How did you? How did this come about? Did the Lord show this to you? Did you see this long before? Did He put it on your heart, or that? What did you see happening? Uh, as far as being a pastor, mm -hmm. I think initially it was I was seeing that the little bit of word I was learning and know and, and I, that I knew it seemed that whatever I applied from God's word, it worked. Mm. And um, so I, I became it was like insatiable. I, I mm. wanted to learn and read and. And then um, I would have this drive to Lancaster every week. I used to go pick up uh, the daughter that I had. I would go pick her up every weekend. So I would drive every Friday from Inglewood to Lancaster, you know, about an hour and 15, 20-minute drive, sometimes two hours. And I would write sermons or I would, you know, I would I would have sermons that I would like, this is how I would have said it, you know. And I would drive out there. And, um, and that was when I think God was putting it on my heart, but I didn't know it. You know, the Bible says he gives you mm. the desires. Mm -hmm. That desire was growing um, then I would always be listening to messages thinking I would say it like this, or I would explain it like mm. that, or I would illustrate this like this, mm. you know, and then I would do it in conversations with people. And it seemed like, man, people seem like they get it, you know, when I share it. And that was where that 
that desire was beginning to, to grow. You know, we're going to pick up right where we left off. This is Pastor Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll be right back. Welcome to the show. This is Josh Thompson, pastor at Legacy City Church. I'm here with Pastor Bill Buffington, and we're talking about what it looks like to be united in Christ in a divided world. And we had left off uh, at the break talking about Pastor Bill's story and uh, how you had become a pastor, how you were stepping into the pastorate, what the Lord was doing to show you that. You were talking about how the Lord was ministering to you, how you're becoming passionate about explaining the text. And and I would like to add this, or I would have done it that way. He was really starting to open it up for you. Yeah, so at that point, you know, it was just a, the, a love for the word that was developing. If I were to fast forward a little bit, uh, the guy that led me to Christ got in my car one day and turned on my dials to K-Wave. And so uh, it was encouraging me because I used to rap, so I was listening to all my, my – my, still listening to my hood rap. Mm. He said, that's why you're getting in the flesh so, mm. so much, you know. Mm. So I changed my dials, and um, I would listen to K-Wave and mm. KKLA in the car mm-hmm. Uh all the spoken radio, you know, all the guys that were speaking. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, compared to where I was going to church, it was, um, it was, I didn't like it initially. Mm. Uh, it sounded like everybody was white mm. and it was very boring. Mm. I was from a, it was, I was, I was at a black Baptist church, man. Sure. We were hoop and holler and it right. was, it was spicy and flavorful. And right. then I get on the radio and this guy is just going, uh, turn to and, right. but in a short time of doing that on a regular basis, I would go to church and I was feeling like, Man, I'm outgrowing my church. Because while it was all exciting, it wasn't very deep. Mm. And so um, then there began this desire, like, I want church like this mm. where I live, you know. Um, and I started looking up, like, expository teaching, and, and I couldn't find anything like that that looked like me, that mm. looked like where I was. Mm. Um, and so that was right at the time I was also praying about Bible college, and I ended up, I landed at Calvary Chapel Bible College. Mm. Uh, there was an extension campus in Downey. I went there, uh, ended up right as I was finishing, I ended up going on staff there, um, which I, I didn't, that wasn't really part of my plan, but that was God's plan. Wow. And there was uh, 10 really wonderful years of getting to serve God at, in that place and the Lord teaching me many things, allowing me to teach high school kids, um, you know, two times a week. Um, I grew, I learned, I pastored, but there was always in my heart the desire I want this in Inglewood. I mm. want this over there. Mm. And in 2010, uh, it's kind of it was, it was interesting when you were sharing your story about uh, just planting the church and just the the pain of everything with your brother. It was surrounding my mother's death. My mother had come to Christ. Wow. She had lived. She went to a women's home from the church. Got saved. Uh, spent a, you know one year of her life free of alcohol. And um, but she had had health issues related to the years of abuse. And so my mother passed away on Super Bowl Sunday, 2010. So uh, we were gathering at my house. I got the call, went. That was the catalyst for the church plant. So as we were preparing the funeral, uh, our church went over the top, took care of everything. Mm. And a pastor called me in and, um, and he says, man, you know, I know you're going to share your mom's funeral. You're going to share the gospel. You know, where would you send people? And I'm like, that's not really anywhere over there that I'm, you know, I, that I know of right now, mm-hmm. you know. And he asked me, do you still want to plant a church in Inglewood? Because wow. he, he's known that I want to do this. Wow. And I said, I do. He said, um, you know, God makes beauty from the ashes. Wow. Uh, maybe, you know, if, if you want to take that step of faith, you got to leave everything here. 
And for me, that was it. I'm like, yeah, no, I know that's what God wants me to do. And mm. so um, for me, a, a kind of a sweet thing is every time I see someone get saved, every time there's something God does, I'm like, this is this is this is born out of that ugly thing, mm. you know, that painful thing. Mm. Um, it's brought much life, you know. And so that was a catalyst for the church plant. So I got told I can do it in February. We our, we planted our church in May 2010. Wow. So it took three months. We found a school um, like you. Uh, we mm-hmm. were at Morningside High School. Mm-hmm. And I had a home study in Inglewood. So the guys that we were doing home Bible study, we added women and children. And we just went for it. And, Amazing. Um, yeah. So full circle, Bill. Yeah. You're running around, running amok in Inglewood, and come back and plant a church in your neighborhood to reach and love and serve these people and to come back full force with the gospel and with it, with a new mission, with a different view. And, uh, that's what I love. I mean, partial reason I, I really, part of some of the things I love about you, Bill, is that you, you understand, um, the church plant, you understand LA, uh, you understand the struggles and Bill, you, we're one of the main guys I talked to during 2020 with all the divisions going on. Uh, we have cities divided, churches divided, our nation, our world divided. You being in L.A., uh, we're able to understand a lot of the same things I was experiencing as a church planner. And, um, and, and it was really shocking to see all of the, the division go down. I mean, it was attacking from so many different ag- angles. And this is the divided world that we see today. What 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 spawned this uh, conversation today is what we were talking about on Sunday. I called Bill up and said, "You got to come do the show." We start talking, and uh, we were talking again. We're back on some of these topics. And Bill, you had a prayer meeting with your with your church, and you were just talking about how how we can come together on these things. How how what does it look like to you know, to, to stand against certain things? What does it look like to be united in certain things? And and where do we draw these lines? What does it look like? We had lots of conversations over that year as I'm trying to navigate things. I'm like, Bill, Bill, you know, I'm like (laughs) calling again, you know, Bill, uh, what's going on? Am I thinking right? Am I thinking straight? Why why does it seem so confusing in our world? Why is so much division? Why is everybody so ticked off? What are you seeing from your angle? And we were able to talk a lot of this through What What do you think has brought or had brought all of this division, you know, when you kind of reflect on 2020, what do you see was the main problems that really was doing this? I believe that it's when believers have gotten their eyes off of Christ. Mm. And so rather my eyes are off of Christ because, you know, I'm, I'm looking so heavily at what's going on racially mm. and I'm, I'm letting media you know, influence me so heavily that I, it's shaping the way I see things, it's mm. shaping the way I view things, uh, or if it's politics that are shaping the way I see things, or if it's talk shows that are shaping the way I right. see things, if it's if it's Jesus is shaping the way I see things, I'm going to love people, I'm going to love unlovely people, but when I let these outside things shape the way I see things, I start to hate what they hate mm. and like what they like, but I hate who they hate, and so then you have believers that we're supposed to have a, you know, a united in Christ where I love, I can love the brother that I don't agree with mm. that if now there's this line drawn that says it's not even a, it's not even a doctrinal thing. This is not even a, a Jesus thing. This is a, I hate you because you line up there. Mm. I disagree with you about that. So I, I don't even view you as a brother right now. Mm. And uh, that was heartbreaking to see. And um, Me too. short answer, I, I think it's, you got, it's it's getting our eyes off of Jesus, mm. and um, and that's you know it's 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 a return to 
really focusing on the Lord and God, you know, what is your word tells me how to deal with people. Mm. Uh, tells me how to deal with people that I like. It even tells me how to deal with enemies. Mm -hmm. And none of what we see is the world doesn't deal with enemies the way God says. God says, he's your enemy. Great. Love him. Bless him. Do good to him. Not bash him. Talk bad about him. Start a podcast about him. You know, it's like, man, love him. Right. What can you do to bless him? Um, And so I, I think if we just would, that's the church. You know, the answer is, it's always Jesus, you know, is that I got to get my eyes on the Lord. I got to, I got to let him influence my behavior mm-hmm. and my philosophies and my thinkings, not everything else. Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church. I'm here with Pastor Bill Buffington, and we are talking about this topic of being united in Christ in a divided world. And I am shocked that we've come to a place where we can't disagree with each other and still be friends still love one another. One of the greatest pictures of two people who fully disagree with each other, but still fully love each other afterwards is marriage. Hello, wake up. We disagree with our spouse all the time. And if you're not married today, you watched your mom and dad disagree. You've watched people disagree and you've watched them still be friends. What in the world happened to the church and what happened to our world in which we say, I don't agree with you. I don't like you anymore. You're not my friend. What has happened? John 13, 34, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you. Listen to what the Lord says to his people, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we're actually blocking the world from seeing that we are disciples of Christ when we're not loving and serving each other. How has this happened? But I I love this picture of marriage. Mm. We're going to disagree. Right. We're going to not have the same opinion on things. We're going to have pet peeves and preferences. Mm. But at the end of the day, we're going to apply the gospel. We are not only going to forgive and show mercy, not only going to say, I'm sorry, but we are going to show grace. We're going to go above and beyond and say, I'm going to go get your favorite coffee. I'm going to get you some chocolates. I'm getting your, I'm stopping by this place to pick up your favorite sandwich or salad or whatever it is. I'm going to love on you and serve you. I'm going to do what Christ has done for me. So we're not just to, just to forgive each other. We are to go above and beyond in grace. This is what Christ has done for us. And he actually says this, love one another church as I have loved you. I don't like them. Well, a lot of people don't like you, right? And uh, Christ calls us to love and serve one another. Mm. We got just a minute here, Bill. We'll go to break, but please. I, I think as you look at the church dynamic, and um, if in the church we make Christ supreme, then the things that we disagree with are down here. Mm. And we can say, ah, I see this this way, you see it this way. That's all right. We can we can still tap into agreement on the greater thing, which is we, we're, 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 in de- we're indebted to Christ. We love the Lord. We can worship him together. Our relationship doesn't have to be about this. You know, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-vaxxer. Mm. Okay. Well, that's how I see it. This is how you see it. But Jesus, mm. um, I'm I pro this thing. I'm okay. I, I feel this way. You feel that way. You know, but Jesus should be enough mm. to unite us. If somehow these things go on top of him and now I'm, I don't love you, uh, I've allowed something uh, of a lesser, lesser kingdom issue to, to divide, you know, God's kingdom. And that's what we want to fight against. 
When we get back, we're going to break down some scripture together, and we're going to look at what Christ has called us to do. This is Pastor Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Welcome to the show. This is Josh Thompson, pastor of Legacy City Church. I'm here with Pastor Bill Buffington, and we're talking about what it looks like to be united in Christ in a divided world. I want to bring up a passage I don't think you've heard in a little while. Um, I hadn't seen it in a while. It was shocking to read it again. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Listen closely. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, Paul writing, to the Philippian church, or I am absent, please, he says, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Then he says, this, this being united, this standing in one spirit, being in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, he says, this is a clear sign to them, the world of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Mm -hmm. It seems that the uniting of the church, all the different facets and methods and differences, it looks different. You go to churches all over the world, true believers, their worship looks different. The way that they fellowship looks different. The way they talk, the gospel, the message is the same. But the exterior looks different. and But for them to be united together and not be quarreling about all this dumb stuff, things that are not gospel, quarreling about all these other th- these things are actually stopping the sign to the non-believer. This is the clear sign to them of their destruction. When we are united together, Paul is making the argument that we are actually casting destruction or judgment, accountability upon the world because we are united. When they see the church united, loving and serving one another as we ought to be, it declares something about us that is not in the world. It is gospel. It's supernatural. It's reconciliation that doesn't happen amongst coworkers and friends and family members in the world. They cut each other off. They say, see you later. I'll never talk to you again. They bomb each other and destroy each other and hate each other and tear each other down. But when the body of Christ does this right and the world looks on, they say, wow, yeah. that there's something amazing going on in there. It is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but your salvation. They are saved. There's something different about them and that from God. Where and when, here it is, Bill. Where and when do we divide as Christians? If we are called to be united in one mind and one spirit, when are we to unite and when are we to divide? We're going to break this down. So it would seem that we're to be united in general. You know, that's that's the position of believers. Uh, we're united in Christ. Um, it, it, as I go through scripture, it's, it seems the, the point of departation, the places where we're going to um, we're going to separate is, is going to be the gospel. Um, someone preaches another gospel. Someone says Jesus is not God. Someone says there's another way to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. Right. You know, those are the points of now I'm not dealing with a brother. You know, we're going to separate harsh at this line. Um, but that's the line. You know, I think um, one of the problems we're seeing today is people have drawn new lines mm. of 
departation. Mm-hmm. So we're not just dividing over gospel issues. We're, we got people that both believe the gospel, um, but he's not going as hard for my candidate mm-hmm. as I think he should. Mm-hmm. So I'm dividing against him or, you know, he, he let them wear mask. He made them wear masks or he didn't make them wear masks. I'm dividing with him. Um, right. He supported the police. He doesn't support the police. I'm dividing over him. And that's, that's what we're seeing happen uh, before our eyes. And so I think pastors are responsible for this pastors that are doing it mm. is because they're the ones that are studying the word, teaching the word and supposed to lead people according to the word. They should be the ones that are saying, Hey guys, they're, they're going to be people that love God. Like you do that see this differently. And they're believers still, you right. know, um, I, 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 I remember I've been in a fellowship where you, I look out and I got ex gangbanger police officer, you know, ex-drug wow. addict, you know, the squares guy you want to know, black guy, white guy, Hispanic guy, Cambodian guy. Right. And the thing that unites us, the reason why we're all there together and we sang songs together in mm-hmm. unison is because Jesus saved us all. Amen. There's unity at the foot of the cross that you can't find anywhere else. Amen. At the foot of the cross, we all need the same thing, forgiveness and salvation. We got to remember that. Yes. If you're just tuning in, this is Josh Thompson from Legacy City Church. and I'm here with Pastor Bill Buffington. And we are talking about this topic of being united in Christ in a divided world. Here's the question. If ever, it, when, if ever, should we tear down another person? Um, and I, this is a kind of a lure here, but I want, you to, I want you to think about this. When, if ever, should we actually tear down another person? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, the Apostle Paul writing, We destroy... We destroy, Mm. Paul says this, we destroy, are you ready? Arguments Mm. and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. It doesn't say we destroy people. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8, the apostle Paul writes, but even if we, he's including himself, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. You know, the, the, let let this person be accursed. Who is that person? That's the one who is preaching another gospel. This is the one that should be torn down. And so when a church is trying to preach a new gospel, this is when we divide. This is when we condemn another self-proclaimed preacher or Christian. Paul says to do so. But then the Lord tells us the tact in which we are to handle non-believers. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus actually says this, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. God is kind to the ungrateful and evil, and that is Jesus' case for you loving your enemies. Bill, how can we love yet be against them? It's impossible. You know, and that's and that's where I think that we can end up misrepresenting the Lord. God loves them. Mm. And so if I'm struggling to like them because of the disagreement, I got to remember God loves them as a believer. I'm a representative of Christ to them. So if I'm not able to demonstrate his love, I'm misrepresenting Christ to them. Right. So if I've ever struggled to love somebody, I've always, this is my thing. If I die to Bill, die to myself, God will love them through me. Mm. I'm in the way. Mm. But my enemy, the person I disagree with, God loves them. Mm. And he wants to love them through me because mm. God loved me when I was unlovely too. You mm. know, that's how I got saved. Mm. Romans 5, 8, you know, while I was yet a sinner, 
he loved me. And so I think we have to be careful as believers uh, how we speak to and speak about those whom we disagree with. I was thinking this verse earlier in Titus uh, 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, but to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Mm. And um and and that's that's how we there's a humility that we need to have and remember in our treatment of mm-hmm. and s- even how we speak about those whom we disagree with because mm. I can't bash you and evangelize you at the same time mm. I've made an enemy of you that's right uh, when I I really want to be in the place where I'm trying to win you to Christ and um yeah that's right um second timothy two twenty three says have nothing to do with fit, foolish, ignorant controversies. you know that they breed quarrels mm-hmm. and in james four one what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? It is our flesh warring against another person we're forgetting we should be praying for our enemies and asking God to change them. And we can tear down arguments. We can do all of that stuff. That is fine to do. We can get passionate and bold about this. That's perfectly fine. But we are, and we can rebuke and correct privately first, then openly if needed. I'm not scared of doing that either. But self-righteousness is poison. Thinking that another person needs Jesus more than I do. We all need Jesus exactly the same. We don't get to look at another person and say, oh, they, man, they really need Jesus. Like, no, actually, you saying that makes you need Jesus even that much more. Yeah. With our enemies, our non-believers, we are to tear down, again, every idea against the gospel with boldness and zeal, but we are to still have love for them, not desire to murder them, but a desire to see them come to salvation and make Jesus Lord and Savior in their life. And that's why the Lord tells us to pray for them. This is very important. I'm here with Pastor Bill Buffington, and it has been a joy to talk through these topics today. Bill, if you'd please uh, tell us where listeners can visit your church and connect with you online. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, you can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, on Instagram. And um, those are the ways you can contact us, find out where we're meeting, what we got going on. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I'd like to encourage all of you parents who have kids or young or old to share this show with them today. Please do that today. Uh, Two ways you can listen right now. You can go, number one, to YouTube, and you can search Legacy City Church. It'll be the first video you see. Second, you can go to kkla.com, and right there on the front page, if you scroll down to KKLA Live, click on that. And boom, there's the show, the audio for you. If you are in the L.A. area and you want to visit me on Sunday sometime, come say hi or encourage someone else you know to come to our church in L.A. We meet Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. in Studio City. We're off Laurel Canyon and Ventura Boulevard. Go to LegacyCityChurch.com for more information, LegacyCityChurch.com. And, of course, you can find us on all social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, Google, YouTube, and Yelp. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.